The AIBP ASEAN B2B Growth Podcast is a series of fireside chats with business leaders in Southeast Asia focused on growth in the region. Topics discussed include business strategy, sales and marketing, enterprise technology, and innovation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ASEAN B2B Growth Podcast, where we sit down with individuals who are building and growing businesses in Southeast Asia. Today, we actually have somebody quite interesting with us. We've had a lot of guests on our show from the Philippines, Filipinos who work for uh, Philippines enterprises, conglomerates, as well as government agencies. But today is actually the first time we have someone who is working out of the Philippines for a Philippines enterprise, but it's not actually native Filipino. Uh, we have Daniel with us from uh, SM Online. And uh, Daniel, I think you'll do a better job introducing yourself than I ever can. So can I just quickly hand it over to you to you know tell us a little bit about yourself as well as SM Online? All right. Mapuhai, everyone. So as Uvan is us it, my name is Daniel. And yes, I'm actually a Malaysian based out of the Philippines. Um, but maybe just a bit background of my life before the Philippines is I was previously a strategy consultant for a large MNC uh, working across Southeast Asia. And I guess at one point in my life, I realized I didn't want to do consulting forever. And I just uh, designed my job and I took a scholarship from the Malaysian government to learn <clears throat> programming, uh, specifically Ruby on Rails. And long story short from that scholarship, I actually won a major hackathon uh, competition in San Francisco, USA, uh, under MasterCard. And that competition win actually opened a door for me, whereby Lazada Philippines offered me a directorship um, uh, in the Philippines. And I took it, right? And well, I worked my way up uh, down to the management team. And eventually, I moved to Shopee Philippines management team. So I can safely say I probably am the only... Um, management executive on both of the two Southeast Asia's largest platforms in the Philippines. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to build something of my own. And coincidentally, SM came about and they told me they've been having a hard time uh, trying to digitize, uh, but they are willing to invest. And well, I guess I felt I had the right digital experience to figure it out. And eventually, I built uh, SM Malls online. So it's probably like the world's first uh, hyper local omni channel. A business model by a more retailer and we've been doing well so far and i guess uh that's pretty much uh my background daniel just give us some context uh so you, you said you were you're malaysian obviously working in the philippines and you moved to philippines with lazada philippines right when was that how long ago was that wow i think that was uh probably in february 2016 okay um, yeah, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. So you've right. been based out of the uh, Philippines since ever since uh, February 2016. Yeah. Yeah. How's, I mean, how's your Tagalog? Ah, <laughs> uh, guys, I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I, when I came to the Philippines, I only taught a Thursday for one year. So I did, this struck me to actually continue learning it. And then, you know, as one year passed, I told myself another one year. And then, you know, two years passed. And then eventually I got you know, uh, engaged down the line. And then, yes, I should have learned Tagalog in hindsight, <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah, so pretty much uh, it's still close to zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did start with Mobile High. That's a good start. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's uh, let, let's take a quick, 
quick look at you, you mentioned SMOs online, and uh, obviously that sits larger the entire uh, SMIC group, right? Uh, can, can you just quickly run through with us effectively um, how that's structured um, based out of the entire? Uh, it's it's effectively a conglomerate, right? Can, can you just quickly run through that, Rivas? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, well, basically, SM um, SMIC is basically like the mother company across all the um, SM companies across the Philippines, right? And pretty much um, there is one big business unit, I would say, which is called SM Prime. So SM Prime generally focuses on the shopping malls um, or basically at the SEMC group, uh, which is where SM Digital, my subsidiary is based under, uh, along with uh, the proper development arm like SMDC, which if you go across the Metro Mila, you probably see a lot of their condos or uh, community development. So they are the ones actually that does mostly with property and so that's SM Prime, which is one of the larger business units under SMIC. And within it is the SCMC, uh, the Shopping Center Management com- uh, Company. And it's under SCMC where SM Digital is under part under. And that's pretty much how SM Malls Online, which is essentially SM Digital, uh, is situated across the whole conglomerate. Okay, so as you mentioned, SEMC is uh, manages obviously all your shopping centers, your malls in, in the Philippines, and SM Digital sits under that. Uh, what what exactly is the mandate of uh, SM Malls Online? Yeah, so I guess the mandate of SM Malls Online is really to find uh, where, I mean, let's take, let's acknowledge two things, right? Uh, one is uh, the digitalization of the world. Yeah? Everyone's trending it. Uh, if you're not really evolving uh, through some form of technology in some shape and form, um, whether it's through automation, be it from the front end or the back end processes, uh, you're going to get left behind, right? Um, so that's one. And two is um, most of the customers today, especially in shopping malls, they do cater to the older generation. But if you go down the funnel to the younger generation segment, especially the Gen Cs, uh, they tend to be a segment whereby they're a lot more digital and they're not necessarily going to more for utility, but they're going more to experiences. And at the same time, they do seem to spend more of their time on their phones uh, or just technology apps. And I guess it's imperative that SMOs Online or SM Digital finds a way to park itself uh, in to stay relevant in the long run. And, and, guess, and we are complementary to the mall. We're not there to cannibalize, nor are we there to replace. But uh, it's there to actually bridge the gap between the old and new. And actually, that's my mandate. And to find where do we stand uh, through it all in the preparation for the next five to 10 years because at the end, the change will come. And it's imperative that SEMC is poised uh, when that day comes. Perfect. So um, as, as you mentioned, right, in, in the Philippines, and I think we've observed that as well, uh, you know, we've had, uh, we've run this podcast with a couple of people from the Ayala group or even the Aboetis group, really all uh, conglomerates, they've been around for, you know, over a hundred years. Um, and I think a lot of the enterprises are taking steps towards digitalization. It must have been quite interesting from you coming, you know, from, uh, well, obviously management consulting and then going into Lazada and Shopee, two of the, as you mentioned, two of the largest, uh, I would say effectively digital retail companies in Southeast Asia. Uh, during that shift into SM, and especially since you operated you are quite familiar with the Filipino market, which is uh, one of the, well, it is the youngest median age uh, in Southeast Asia. Um, what 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 were things you saw that were, you know, similar? What, what were things you saw that were coherent between Shopee, Lazada, and what uh, SM is actually doing? And what were things which were actually a little bit different? 
Mm. So maybe to add some context. Um, so yes, I was from Lazada and Shopee. Uh, Lazada actually, when I started there, they were mostly focused on electronics and majority of the segment was really male. Uh, well, Shopee was a totally different ballgame. I think they focused mostly on uh, cheap uh, fashion or home and living items, predominantly uh, targeted the young female segment. And when I went to SM, it's really a offline retailer where most of the customers are really old, much older, right? And it's I can safely say that it's in in generally very different. Um, yes, maybe in terms of culture, Shopee and Lazada is kind of the same. Uh, even though, even in terms of mindset, uh, Wells versus SM, they're a bit more conservative, and they're really looking, you know, things like profitability and not necessarily top line growth in pursuit of a higher valuation stock markets, right? And um, just the way of doing things is uh, extremely different between the two companies. I'm not gonna lie, and I would say that you know, although I don't, you know, I applaud it, but the pandemic did help my case, whereby SM took digitalization a lot more seriously and that gave me free hand because I think if SM Digital were to uh, embark on its journey uh, in the old way of doing SM things uh, where it's a bit more rigid, I don't think where speed of the essence, especially when you're trying to attempt a business model that has never been done before, uh, that's not necessarily a mindset that it's very inherent uh, in conglomerates, right? Uh, whereas in Lazada and Shopee, you know, it's probably like the new kid on the block when it comes to retail, you know, or digital and tech savvy, you know, and then mindset, you know, it's feel fast, you know, yeah. speedy yeah. execution. Um, I won't say burn, burn money, but, you know, at some point in time, if you want to buy speed, <laughs> you do have to burn money, right? So, yeah. whereas, yeah. you know, not there to burn money for SM, it's to come up with something sustainable that, that adds value to people's life. And I guess in that sense, that's where it's extremely different. Uh, but it's some, but in in terms of similarities, I would say you know I had the privilege with dealing with the you know, certain stakeholders SM, and they are more on the younger generation. It's a privilege to work with them, and they also understand. You know, some of them study abroad, and they actually you know have um, you know come to experience the likes of Amazon um, and other e platforms like. Uber, well, before I left Philippines, right? And so they actually understand what it actually takes, you know, to actually build uh, SM Digital. Um, and in that sense, the similarities was really more on the support, you know, to try new things and understand that at some point in time, um, you might fail, right? Uh, and they've been, but they're not like just burn money, you know, and try to figure out, like, we could take it at a slower pace, but really find a fit. And that's where, uh, the similarities, uh, you know, between the old and new, we came to a halfway point. And I think that has really tremendously helped my case. Uh, and that's why I would say. And yeah, it, it's a good point that you made about, you know, the, co the, the COVID period, obviously the malls were empty. Philippines, I, I believe, had one of the toughest and longest lockdowns during the entire COVID period. So obviously nobody were, were, in, were shopping around in malls. Uh, when, when exactly did you uh, start with uh, SM, Daniel? Yeah, so I started with SM like, uh, January 2020 was like two to three months just right before lockdown. <laughs> perfect timing. Uh, yeah. I would say it was uh, perfect timing. Like I said, it helped my case, but it also was tremendously difficult because when doing that COVID period, when valuations for all tech startups were sky high yeah. and they were just like raising cash at valuations that were too rich in nature, yeah. um, 
it's very hard for you to get the talent that you need when they are mm. being compensated twice the amount of salary <laughs> in this kind of technology platforms. And it was extremely hard to sell something that I didn't have because after all, the, though I had a working app at some point, but it was not something that, you know, it was more of an MVP, a minimal viable product. Yeah, compared yeah. to incumbent or mature technology apps like Grab, uh, Lazada, Shopee, and so forth, right? So it was a lot harder to sell a vision when you don't have a working product for them to actually see. Um, and of course, from a branding standpoint, you would rather you know join startups who are raising among a large amount of cash or these mature technology platforms versus uh, SM. So um, yeah, so it was a very it would it did help my case, but. On the cons, it was not uh, easy at all. I yeah, think it's yeah. just by God's grace, you know, I, I made certain decisions mm-hmm. uh, that um, really helped me uh, create some form of buffer or safety net, uh, a, a bit of advantage. And then I took it one day at a time. And then bit by bit, eventually, it came to fruition. And that's pretty much, I would say. Yeah, I mean, you must have done something right because um, last year uh, you guys actually won the uh, ASEAN Innovation Awards that were given out in the Philippines. Uh, but speaking about that as well, you know, since since February twenty two, you you mentioned you've taken it day by day, you've grown little by little. Uh, what 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 were the key you know m- metrics you were watching you know when you were first starting out and now about what it's been uh, one two two. This is third year, right? You just completed your third year. So have the metrics changed over the years? What what are, what were the things you were looking out for when you were starting this out versus like now, what, what are your priorities and what are ma- metrics you are focusing on? Okay, sure. I think that's fair. So I would say, um, I think that year is where I, I, I joined, uh, joined SM. But, you know, when we had a really a working product, uh, you know, that you could actually show, <laughs> um, uh, was somewhere in mid of 2021, right? Uh, we had a really, really basic MVP somewhere in uh, Q4 of 2020, and uh, but it was mainly off-the-shelf uh, software or uh, third-party providers, which I would just take an opportunity to tell your audience, if you have a business model, your core systems is something you should always do in-house and everything else is secondary systems, you can outsource it. So I think that was a mistake I made. I should have built it in-house from the very start. But then again, as I mentioned, not many technology developers, which was highly in demand during that period, wanted yeah. to join SM as opposed to you know, other technology startups, right? Yeah. So, um, but anyway, um, I think there was one thing that caught up to us. Uh, I think the one... So I'll just... Give some context. SM Digital or basically shopping malls comprises of many services to the average Filipino from food, uh, restaurants, you have your cinema, you have your giant merchandise like the department store, you have your groceries and so forth, right? Um, but you it's not something that you should attack the market all at once, right? And although we try to throw, you know, spaghetti at one, see what's stick, uh, the only one that at that time when we first launched, we saw that stuck was actually... Um, pertaining to growth rate, organic growth rate and retention for our food delivery business uh, pertaining to multiple restaurants in a single delivery. Uh, and most of our customer segment were two types. One were office workers who eat together. And the second one was probably young families or young mothers with kids. You know, mom gets a salad and then the kids get you know, their fast food. So I think that that was the one matrix stuck. Um, when it was, when we did our initial launch out of 100 orders, only 13% was multiple 
restaurants and single delivery. But over time, as the company progressed, we actually noticed that number growing more and more to where it is today, which is about 80 plus percent. So that was our the best acquisition cost in comparison to the industry benchmark, uh, better retention rates as well. Um, and the ABS was, you know, because I mean, your fix, your delivery fees or riders are as a fixed fee. Whether you deliver one dollar or hundred US dollars worth of food, is the same rider, right? So yeah. it was a better, I mean, from a sustainability point standpoint, from an ABS perspective or average basket size, it just, it just, uh, it made much better sense, uh. And yeah. so that grew. I think doing we also saw that when it comes to things that Lazar and Shopee could not sell. At least they could, but it would not arrive on time was the likes of medicine or essentials during the COVID period. So that was another mm. that we saw. Um, we did see high price items, although most of it is uh, purchased from the app, but they go to the store to pick it up. You know, one last final check before they actually make payment. So there were some bright spots that we saw and those were the things that grew organically and that's when we doubled down. And then pertaining to all the assets like cinema, I mean, it was COVID, right? No one was seeing movies, right? Comparing <laughs> yeah, the yeah. cinema, uh, online uh, concert tickets and all this, uh, I felt those were assets that were only inherent exclusive to SM and that was something I could do it down the line. Um, same goes for groceries, you know, uh, which is something I don't believe any player has dominated. Um, so, I those were the I think food delivery, uh, essentials and high price goods were the initial focus uh, when we started. Like I said, we, we threw spaghetti in the wall and then we saw the organic growth going from there. And that's when we doubled down. Okay, so you you did have uh, because of uh, historical businesses, this gave you uh, some as you mentioned bright spots for for which you could focus on and form the base of your growth eventually, right? Uh, so if we look at uh, you know organizational growth as uh, SM Mall's business SM Mall online's business versus say the Lazadas or the Shopees or even uh, what what are the most popular food delivery apps in the the Philippines? I think it would still be GrabFood and Foodpanda. Uh, okay, um, so. Yeah, I mean at the end of the day they have way more restaurants on the platform than the number of restaurants in the, the total as uh, SM Malls right? Yeah, uh, online right? Yeah. So I mean these are the two major players uh, for food delivery. Not gonna okay. contest that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but it was interesting because the value proposition for you with your product is is a little bit different, right? It, as you mentioned earlier, it was meant to complement the business of uh, the physical malls of SM. Where yep. where do you go from here, though? So, like I said, um, well, we're still double downing on the areas that we found the bright spots. It's and it's probably niches that SM is not um, inherently control exclusive to them, like food yeah. delivery. Um, but I think we are looking at our product roadmap. We're pretty much almost done. Although we know that like you can't beat Lazada and Shopee because 90% of their products are non-branded, which SM doesn't sell. And yeah. half of it is from China, right? So it's a totally different ball game altogether. Uh, so there's certain bright spots that uh, SM initially does not have, uh, which I will try to build first and then that's something I'll expound on in the later years but um, moving forward uh, especially in Q3 of this year it's very likely we'll start consolidating all the other assets uh, that we initially put on hold like our cinemas or our tickets you know our 
dining in reservations, our geolocation in app or CRM targeting. You know, when you walk into the mall, you're gonna get an in-app notification to the store, the deal that's you know really relevant to you based on your history. So things that really complements the in-mall experience, right? To drive more food traffic offline. And that's something that we are looking at um, moving forward from here. And of okay. course, um, I think as you progress along any journey, you start to notice certain insights. And I'm not surprised if you'll find more of such insights down the line. And then that's also something we'll expound. But that's generally the whole journey that we're looking at for the next few years. Perfect. Okay. Uh, thank you, Daniel. Now, I want, I want to take a step back. You know, um, you mentioned, you know, previously you're working at Lazada, Shopee, and then um, eventually moving on to SM, which is a, a fairly large and old conglomerate in, in the, the Philippines. Uh, while, you know, you have been in the Philippines for a long time, uh, when you joined SM, I believe what you had four years uh, uh, local market experience. And when you look at innovation versus uh, innovation in a firm, let's say like Lazada or Shopee versus the way the large conglomerate is viewing innovation in the Philippines, um, how how is innovation measured in uh, SM? You mentioned SM Digital previously, so that sounds like a pretty cool function within a large conglomerate. How is innovation measured? How is innovation pursued uh, within the SM group as a whole? Okay, I guess for innovation is, I think for us, is really looking into, and again, this is the early start of SM Digital, but for us, our innovation is really looking at relevancy uh, in terms of product market fit, and that means uh, measuring the number of unique customers right, uh, that visit our platform and how often do they actually stay. And of course, the NPS cost of the customers posts uh, delivery of a specific service, whether it's food or medicine and so forth. And, and then um, just looking at it from there. Um, but then again, SM Digital is really more an exception versus a norm in the conglomerate because at the end of the day, any, any sound business is really looking to net income and free cash flow. Yes. I think a wise, yeah, I mean, a wise man once told me, right? Everything that glitters is not necessarily gold. <laughs> and uh, very true right? as well, right? Yeah, right. So, I mean, the tech firms, yeah, I mean, I think the way we look at things, at least for SM Digital, it's kind of similar, but at the end of the day, we do want to find a way to complement the offline uh, malls in a very sustainable manner in the short term. Lah. But in the meantime, we are just looking into growth uh, for now. And, you know, previously you mentioned the difficulty of hiring in uh, 2020, you know, every tech stock during COVID was uh, flying. You know, you, there was a lot of news around that. And uh, uh, it was difficult, right? Uh, trying to hire people because talent was, there was a talent crunch. Has that shifted, you know, across, especially now and in, instead of hearing about tech valuations going up, tech valuations are tanking. Uh, all these firms, uh, Lazada, Shopee, um, have all been laying off people in, in different places. Has that changed for SM? Uh, are, yes, are, is it absolutely, much easier for you now? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, right. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. So a lot of candidates that we interview, um, and they're not necessarily from technology, um, you know, um, firms that are laid off. You know, with the US, you know, on the brink of recession or, um, or whatever uh, the federal bank is doing, it does have impact on the market. And I mean, Philippines majority, you know, there is a country whereby. Uh, there are a lot of BPO services, and I think there's a lot of talent that's actually there as well. 
Um, but in a nutshell, a lot of them come to SM because they want stability. Uh, there's no doubt that SM for the past 65 years focusing, you know, very frugal and, you know, focusing on value adding uh, services, whether it's property development, the energy, the logistics. Uh, they've been very frugal and free cash flow, it's still an imperative for them. And they still have a very rocks, you know, sturdy balance sheet, I would say. And I think that does uh, attract uh, talent in, to our side uh, during this post-COVID period. Or, um, But I would say that even though um, uh, we had a tough time hiring people during the COVID period, we, at least for my management team, which I personally handpicked, um, it was, uh, I was lucky. Um, some of them just didn't want to be another employee in this tech startup. They wanted to also try something new and they have been a great, tremendous help to SM Digital. Lah. So, and luck plays a role. But in a nutshell to your question, yeah, I mean, it's been easier for us, especially when you hire good talent. Uh, this good talent would probably refer or attract other good talents. Um, yeah. And then eventually the team just started getting stronger, um, you know, here on out every single month, you know, or every single year. Yep. The good old network effects, right? Yep. <laughs> and, yeah, and 50% of our initial employees were referrals. 15 uh, or 50? That's how, because we couldn't penetrate, you know, from a marketing, branding, employer standpoint. So we had to go through the referral and that was a bulk of our initial hires. So are you, are you rebuilding your core systems now, now that you have the talent? Um, I think what worked for us in the past, I continues to work for us, uh, certain principles or cultural values that we hold. And I don't think we're going to change that anytime soon. Perfect. Sounds Good. good. Okay, uh, Daniel, before I, I let you go, just a couple more questions about, uh, you know, the retail landscape in uh, uh, the Philippines. Um, so you obviously have, have what, now, it makes you sound old, but I know you're a very young man. <laughs> you have close <laughs> to a, a decade of experience now working within the Filipino retail landscape, right? Uh, what, what do you think has changed across, you know, the, what, seven, eight years you've, you've worked within the Filipino landscape. And obviously you go back quite often to, to Malaysia and you've, you've traveled the rest of Southeast Asia. What, what is idiosyncratic? What is unique about the Filipino retail landscape? Mm. Okay, so, okay. So I will speak this in the context of what I know, given I probably am the only person who really has a good gauge from offline and online on a high level. And I would say this, right? Despite... You know, e-commerce surging during the or just digital uh, behavior surging uh, during the COVID periods. Um, I would say that you know Philippines is still a country that has a lot of potential in terms of growth for the coming decades. Uh, I do believe it's the next trillion dollar economy after Indonesia uh, in the coming few years, um, and that's relatively because it's a young population, but at the same time, average GDP per income per capita is still growing. Uh, and I still think that though that this country is becoming richer uh, in the long run, um, they still have an affinity to the offline world. Um, it could be a social aspect kind of um, trait or characteristic because Filipinos are just very outgrowing and they like being with people and so forth. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're still bound by the, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say the government sector and so forth, but uh, a lot of things still needs require a lot of building, especially infrastructure. And I think Philippines is very unique, whereby you know, um, 
you have technology, you have GrabFood, you have uh, Lazada and Shopee, but when it comes to the infra, it's still extremely expensive to ship one parcel from one end of the country to the other. And even though it's been seven to eight years, I know Lazada has built Shopee uh, Express, Lazada Express, but the supply chain is still not there. And, you know, pair it together with Filipinos enjoying going out together and spend time as a family or friends uh, with rising incomes. I still think it's very funny, but I still think offline is really a very big chunk of this uh, Filipino economy. And that's something that I see very differently, at least in the context of Singapore and Malaysia, uh, where I'm from. But I think Philippines just has that trait. And I think it's still going to stay that way. Yeah, because yeah, 100%. Really well now. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you, right? Um, we we were there during uh, when COVID was closed, when the rules were were pretty strict. I think my last trip, one of my last trips, was to the Philippines, and everybody was pretty afraid of going out. But then um, I was there recently as well. I, I mean, I just met you earlier this year, and all the malls were back to being really, really full, really, really crowded. And that's what everybody have said to us as well. Um, Filipinos, they, they, they like the social aspect of uh, getting together, of even walking around malls. I believe SM owns quite a few of the largest malls in uh, Asia. <laughs> and one, I think a couple, one or two of them are actually in the Philippines as well. So mall culture there is pretty strong as well. So uh, SM Online must, must be set up pretty well because you have both the uh, online and offline covered pretty well there. Uh, in terms of technology in, in the region when it comes to the retail space or, you know, in Southeast Asia, are there certain things that you are excited to see developments in over the next couple of years? Last question, I promise. Oh, no, no, it's fine. That's <laughs> totally fine. Am I excited? Um, I am. No, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a special, you know, in fintech and, and all of this, but I still think you know, e-commerce or omni-channel. Uh, I think a lot of retailers are really going the, the omni-channel route. Um, everyone's trying to cover uh, you know, both sides, you know, given what COVID has done to them. Uh, I, I, I think it's still in the very decent and early stage, but I do see a lot of vendors or third-party companies approaching us with technologies uh, on that aspect. And I am very curious, uh, given how strong offline is in the Philippines at the same time Filipinos being one of the like top social media users in the world I am quite interested to actually see that specific technology uh, aspect of uh, retail omni-channel uh, growing because at the end they, that's also when it comes to brands there just seem to be more concentrated the number of brands in the Philippines compared to what you see in Singapore you know? it's always the big ones like Jollibee and so forth so I'm, I want to see how this all works because uh, these big companies where it's quite concentrated most of the retail spend, uh, they would have the money to make, invest in such technology. So uh, I do see it more and more and I I do like to see where this goes from here on out. Yeah, that's a great point. I think uh, you're, you're perfectly correct. We A couple of the enterprises uh, or the large retail uh, brands in the Philippines have actually done quite a few RFPs with quite interesting problem or pain points or solutions they're looking to solve and they're looking for quite innovative uh, technology solution providers. So that, that's something I'm quite excited about. But yeah, you know, I, I think the Philippines is positioned very well. Uh, second largest population here in Southeast Asia after Indonesia. It's interesting you, you say it might be the next uh, trillion dollar economy. I think that's li very likely with the growth that you guys are seeing. So seems like you're positioned perfectly, Daniel, sitting out of the Philippines. Uh, maybe someday... Motherland will want you to come back to to Malaysia, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know uh, you never know. Exactly, it, 
and again, there's there's this whole talk about one ASEAN and you know um, mobility between people within Southeast Asia. So I'm, that's something I'm quite excited about as well. All right, uh, thank you very much, Daniel, for joining us today. It has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, if you're looking to to connect with Daniel, obviously he's available on LinkedIn. Um, any other contact points you might want to give out, Daniel? Be careful, though. Some people might go overboard with trying to connect with you. <laughs> uh, well, I I would just want to say, you know, as we uh, maybe just a point as everyone approach Omnichannel, given my experience in Lazada and Shopee, uh, I can say that whatever um, preconceived notions that you have, I think you have to pocket a door and enter it with a blank slate because uh, I think you're going to be very surprised with the the data, the insights that you will see, especially in uh, different locations, uh, depending on where your offline retail may be. Lah. So um, I think I've been quite surprised in this journey in three, what, two years plus already, and I'm still learning based on the new insights every single day. Um, but yeah, um, happy to help. And yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you very much. All right. Cheers, guys. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed the episode. For more information about business growth in the ASEAN region, please visit our website www.iotbusiness-platform.com.